Hello and welcome to another episode of Finding My Fit at 40. My name is Victor. I'm here with the great Mike Bearski, and we are. I just decided to go nut sands the whole. And that's nickname. fine for now. That'll for probably now. change okay. next week. I'm yeah, okay it will. With it. It'll change every week probably. <laughs> We're here to talk with you guys again about my updates on how I'm doing, and uh, we're just going to chat a little bit about the week and how things are going. So uh, let's jump into it. And Mike, how was your weekend? You know, weekend was solid. Uh, had some solid hangout time with some friends, and well, I didn't do anything productive. So I mean, I mean that's, that's a good weekend. Kind of how a weekend should be. Sometimes. I feel like that's right. yeah, yeah, that's good. You know, it's all about changing and life and experiences and just enjoying things yeah. in general. And, you know, highs and lows, peaks and valleys, and you know, do all good things. Right. You have any more platitudes? I don't know anything about platypuses. Okay, Roger that. Yeah, we'll dig into mammals know. later. So I had a great weekend. I went out with my cousin for his birthday. Uh, we had quite a late night. I um, imbibed quite a bit on Friday <laughs> night. So uh, my calories for Friday were kind of through the roof. I kind of took the... I try to be... All right. So in the beginning of the day, I knew we were going out. Right. So I tried to be smart about it. And I don't want to say save, but just account for the fact right. that I was going account to account for the higher calorie intake later in the day. Later in the day. So I try to account for it. And I did account for it for what I thought I was going to do. <laughs> and so I accounted for it. But then we kind of, as we were into the day, I started like being like, well, I only have one more beer left or I can only do. And I just in the moment was like, you know what? Forget it. I'm going to have a good time. We're going to hang out. I don't do this all the time. I love and that for you. Whatever right. happens, happens. And then I I, re, I did recalculate and just put everything in that I ended up having just because I wanted to know. Curiosity. Yeah. yeah. It's, it it's not an obsessive thing at that point. You're just like, all right, let's see how bad I actually did. Yes. Absolutely. And so I put it all in and I was probably about 800 over for the day, which is a significant amount. Um, but I was pretty good the rest of the week. Uh, this week, we had made a change. We did. After yeah. we got off the podcast last week, uh, Mike decided to uh, throw a wrench in my life. <laughs> <laughs> and we dropped, uh, we had spoken before about how my calorie intake was at 2,500 calories. Yep. And Mike, well, you tell everybody what you decided. Yeah, I was about to say, I mean, it, I was about to ask if I'd explain that well enough for you. So basically, you, you, your initial calorie goal, or deficit rather, is set for where you are at that starting point. So by this point, spoiler alert, you're down 16 pounds um, over the course of this this training block. You're now lighter. Like it takes less calories to keep you where you are at this point. So at a certain point, a calorie deficit will stop working. It, it just has to happen like that. You know, law of thermodynamics, if I'm trying to sound really smart. So we adjust so we adjust to kind of keep you ahead of that curve. And as long as and, and I tend to go off of hunger signals and cravings and energy levels and, and a host of other things, and that's why we have that open line of communication. So getting ahead of your body, stopping that that fat loss. Now I could let it ride out longer until we spend one or two weeks of you literally not losing any weight at all. Or we get ahead of the mix a little bit by not doing anything too extreme, dropping, uh, you know, another couple hundred calories. And I, I change that based off of the individual and, and how much they happen to weigh and what their activity levels are. For you, I opted for a 200 calorie drop. And now we're going to ride that out. Now, over the case of the next week or so, if you do find 
energy is a little too low and cravings are going up and, and sleep is starting to decline, then we make an adjustment um, to those calorie levels. Well, the sleep declines, but that has nothing to do with the food intake. That has to do with two children. That'll do that. Yeah. 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 But I was a little worried when you dropped it. And not because <laughs> I was worried about hitting that or staying under that marker. Right. I was worried that I am a doofus and didn't understand the whole concept of this when we started. <laughs> so when you said it at 2,500, I looked at that as more of a speed limit. Right. And you can't go over that. But you can, I mean, if the speed limit's 55 and you drive 45, you're good to go. I didn't look at it as this is what you should be driving. Gotcha. And when we started, my goal was just to stay under. So if I was like 600 under, I was like, great, I had a great day. If I was 200 under, I had a good day. And I always thought staying under was the chunk, the way to do it. Right. And that makes so, sense. And honestly, you, you will lose weight that way, but then you run that risk of cutting into those low energy zones and increasing craving and having a harder time sticking to your diet. Now, you didn't end up having any of those issues really, which was, which was great. So I got really lucky too, and I want to point this out to people that are listening, is I didn't have any of that, that struggle at first. and I, But I think part of that is I'm also just getting back to doing what I do for a living is play music. Um, I went through all that vo- the, the vocal issues at the end yep. of last year. Yep. So I'm also distracted again. I'm just getting back to working and traveling and doing – and I don't really eat well – Right. I, by well, I mean like on timing and like I, I don't really eat consistently and when that happens anyway. And that's that's a good point. And I, I found for myself and for most other people as well, the more productive you are and the more you're doing things, the less you tend to th- sit and think about food. It's usually when you're sitting around the house or watching TV or you know not happy with your life in general or feeling lazy and unproductive. Uh, it's usually harsher judgment on somebody than than is deserved. However those feelings and emotions and just sitting still tends to kick up that, that I call it hobby hunger. You know, you, you're hungry because you're bored at that point and, and not Been looking there. at any direction. Yeah. Oh, we yeah. all have, we all have. Well, that's what happened. Well, we literally were just talking about this prior. Um, we've mentioned this prior in prior podcasts. I gained 22 pounds during that whole mess with my voice right? because I was just sitting around I wasn't right. gigging. I would put the kids down to sleep. And it wasn't even so much during the day because I was busy with my kids during yeah. the day. But it's once they went to sleep and my wife was out doing a gig and I'm home by myself and I would sit at the computer and just sit, I, I just want to eat something. I just want – and yeah. at that point, that had, my, what happened, that occurred right after Halloween. So, <laughs> yes. Halloween candy. Halloween candy and the butt – and I didn't want my kids to eat it, but apparently it was okay for me to pack it on. <laughs> So I ate a bunch of the Halloween candy that was sitting around and that's part of, and I don't even eat candy like that typically, but I was just sitting here and it was just right there. You really touched on half of the equation there. And and I think it's important to highlight this fact that you just called out that you were kind of bored not doing anything. Mm -hmm. However, how depressed were you about having the voice issues at that point? Yeah, also. Emotions are sky high, cortisol levels, stress, you know, negative emotions in Boredom on its own will cause overeating, and emotions on their own will cause overeating. So you put those two things together, and that's that's a recipe for weight gain, for sure. So I was really lucky that I ended up healing and getting through the process. Yeah. So for me, it was like an instant fix of I was like good to go. Right. 
I know that there's people out there who struggle with those same things, the there depressions are. and thing. So do yourself a favor, look for help, find a way to get through those because that's a real thing. It is. Those are real things is. for people. Those so are mit- mitigating that stress is is crucial. And obviously, you know, some people are going to have an easier route to, to alleviating stress than other people. Some people have some real serious issues and problems. Mm-hmm. And that's not a judgment thing. Like we all go through those ups and downs. Um, and another thing too, people like if you are doing it on your own, do not go with a crash diet, severe calorie deficit thing. It's not sustainable. You're and going you're to have to live every day. Yeah. True. Every day you're literally having to utilize so much discipline just to fight the cravings and the natural tendencies that your body has to, you know, fight back against that, that famine that you're you know putting yourself into. So it, it really is a long game. You can make quick results and you have done well over this last seven weeks. You've, you've made some really fast you know, losses, but we've still gotten you at a, a moderate deficit to really kick off. So is this a thing or is this just like a thing in my head? So because I gained that weight so kind of quick and my body already was like not used to and didn't really want that weight, is there a way that like because I started getting back and my body's just like, all right, boom, get it off. Cool. I didn't want this. Like Sort of. There's there's more of a phenomenon of the, the weight has come on and your body doesn't really want it on, so you're going to naturally move around more. Um, and it's like as you diet down and get leaner and leaner, your body will, will start to lose that. It's called NEAT, non-exercise activity thermogenesis. It's a fancy way of saying the stuff your body does outside of exercise. So you just naturally will move around more. You might be you know, doing a little bit more chores. You might get up and organize things a little bit more. You might fidget while you're sitting down because your body does have this, this extra weight on that it just doesn't really want there. That doesn't mean it's going to just magically fly off and burn faster. You're moving more, which burns more calories overall consistently, and that's why you will lose weight faster. But to, to put in your head like, well, my body doesn't want it on, so now it's just you know melting this stuff off and it's dissolving into the atmosphere. It has to be burned in order to, to be released, essentially. Does that make sense? Well, I'm not saying into the atmosphere. No, no, I know I you're mean, not, but, you, but you, I, like, I, I know exactly what you're saying, but people who are hearing this might be like, well, I'm okay. I've decided to live a healthier lifestyle. It's just going to go away now. Yeah, so you're no, going to find people on both sides of that. that I'm just saying because I, I gained it so quick. Not that I was a, I was always over heavy. I've been heavy right. for years, but... It was that was an extra that my body was just not your body used did to. not want that. Yeah, on. no, I mean yeah. it doesn't want that all of it on. Right. <laughs> That's why we're going through this process, Mike. <laughs> so, um, sorry, I'm my little tired today. You don't ever have to apologize to me. It's been a long. I'm still recovering from being out Friday night. Right. It took two days. This is what happens when you turn forty, people. It takes you longer to recover. <laughs> when I was in my twenties, I would be out all night. Maybe sleep, maybe not right. sleep, go to work the next day, be fine at work the next day. I mean, my coworkers could tell that I was tired, but yeah. I would be fine for a day at work. Do, do you know and what then I'd is? get home and go to sleep. Do you know what that is? That, what is that, that helps you with that? It's what? testosterone. Testosterone? Mm-hmm. So the, the younger you are, there's, you know, if you're relatively healthy and your testosterone is naturally sky high, it doesn't really start to decline until a little bit closer to, to 30. And then it declines by a small percentage every year past 30. So the younger you are, when really nothing you're doing is affecting your testosterone in a big way, you do recover faster. Your energy does stay up. Whereas now, it's about over four, anywhere from like four to eight drinks could potentially lower your testosterone. It will lower your testosterone by upwards of like 10% for the next 
two to three, one to three days, depending on who you are and how fast you bounce back. So we'll come back if you're doing all the right things, but for that couple of days after, you know, you're just thinking, oh, I'm getting older. Well, in a way, sure. I mean, I am. Yeah, I mean, I that am. is happening. Every day. You every are day. aging. Every day. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's that testosterone, that, that recovery, which is why, you know, so many people will actually seek out uh, TRT or testosterone replacement therapy as they get older to kind of bounce back and, and recover that. Does that work? Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> there's a there's a few different ways people will do that. Like you've got the the you know people that will go straight up into anabolic steroids, and that's going to put you in what's called a supra physiological range of testosterone, so above normal levels. There's testosterone replacement therapy of a variety of. I'm looking of for legal routes. things. Right, legal. Yeah. You can literally go to your doctor, get testosterone uh, tested, and if you're doing all the right things and. It's like you know you're eating well and you're working out and you're moving on a regular basis and your testosterone is still, you know, at the low end of normal, which is such a weird, uh, wide range what normal is. So if you're three or 400-ish, that's kind of low, but it's the low end of normal. But you can decide, well, I'm doing everything right and this is all I've got right now. All right, I'm going to go see what my options are for TRT. And the stuff that a doctor will give you will not put you in the supra-physiological range. It'll put you in the normal physiological range. You'll just be in the higher range of what is normal. So some people would look at that as like, well, you're cheating. You're che-. Well, you're still in the normal range, and you want to feel better and have more energy and recover faster and just really enjoy your life more. Yeah, why is feeling better considered cheating? It's because everybody's weird. And it, just elevating testosterone does not magically put on muscle and burn fat. It'll do a little bit of that because your, your calorie partitioning, what your body decides to do with calories, is a little more favorable. However, you still have to put in the work. You still have to eat right. You can't just get away with doing nothing. It's just, it's not how it works. So it's not, it helps for sure, but it doesn't just, it's, it's not the magic the pill by any means. It's yeah. all part of the mix. It's all it part is. of that living the healthier lifestyle. It is. But on top of that, what you have to worry about is whether or not you want to be on that for the rest of your life or not. If you are on some sort of TRT, your body's natural process of releasing that will shut off at some point. So your testes will stop producing testosterone because it's like, hey, we're flush with testosterone right now. So if you do it too long, you can permanently shut that down and you'll have to be on TRT for the rest of your life, which may or may not bother you. So if you do like a good two or three months of that, and call that a cycle if you want to, which has its own negative connotation because people just think steroids. Um, you could come off of that and then you're going to feel low T symptoms for a little while, but your body's natural testosterone production will come back and it'll just put you back to that roughly that range that you had initially. I'm going to say just off that explanation, I'm going to hold off. Yeah. Yeah. You might as well. Again, there's nothing wrong with getting your levels Not tested. Not that I was really thinking <laughs> or considering it. Just no, but it, it's fascinating with, with how often people are supplementing and you can see... You know, there's a tremendous amount of fitness professionals uh, online that are putting this stuff out like, I'm natural, I'm natural, I'm natural. Well, to be able to do everything you're doing and stay at 5% body fat year round, there's maybe, what, 1% of the population, if I'm digging into made up percentages, but you get what I'm going for there, that can really, really maintain that. It's, It's not healthy for the vast majority of the human population to be that lean year round. It's why bodybuilders with the, some of the best physiques in the world come out of those competitions and, and gain body fat back. Because you can't maintain that lean and be healthy and happy and still enjoy all the things you want to enjoy in life. Cutting out, you know, drinking for the most part, cutting out fun foods, cutting out going out to, to dinners and, and, you know, letting loose a little bit. 
And again, I don't like blanket statements, but I, you're going to be hard-pressed to find a, a human who is n- completely natural with no supplementation that can maintain that kind of a lifestyle and be happy. Unless that is what the thing that makes them happy, though. True, but... If they're only obsessive Right, but with then, that. then you have to consider how obsessive and what kind of psychological profile they've got. Now, if they just surround themselves with that kind of people and they go out and do things and enjoy themselves, sure. But it's just, it's a hard pill to swallow to cut out all the amazing things life has to offer. And for me, you know, being, I'm Italian, so being raised around family and friends and, you know, you, you gain those bonds and, and sit down at the dinner table or yeah, go out for some drinks. Yeah. And yeah, food, drinks, drinking socially. A lot of people want to villainize drinking these days. There's, there's people everywhere that are going to do anything and everything irresponsibly. But humans have been celebrating with alcohol for thousands of years. Like, yeah. it doesn't need to stop now. People should not be driving drunk. You know, they should not be drinking to the point where, you know, if they get angry on a regular basis, maybe you should drink less. <laughs> you know? Just a thought. <laughs> well, we don't villainize it here. No, Mike and I not. both enjoy a, a beverage here and there. Um, sometimes too many on a Correct. Here, there, and, and everywhere sometimes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So... I really thought that this week, because of that day, that night, yep. and because, like I said before, we switched we switched calories to twenty three hundred. Right. Let me backtrack here. So because we switched it to twenty three hundred, and then you explained to me because I was like I said a doofus, <laughs> and I was kind of almost already at that twenty three hundred right. marker, not all the time, and I would eat the twenty five, but then you explained that I need to be eating to twenty three hundred, and I saw it this week. I really made an effort. If you yeah. notice, most days are yep. actually right on yep. or real close to twenty. Do you remember? Do you remember why I said that? And that's just to pass it along to the yeah, the absolutely. Listeners. You can just please explain it. Okay, um, I was actually going to have you do that. Just see if you're really absorbing information here. Well, this is what I remember. <laughs> I mean, I'm not really. Let's be honest. Uh, that's why we put it in apps. That's, that's why I have you here. Yeah, that's true. Fine. That's very true. I'm shocked I haven't asked you the same question every day. (laughs) So what I took from when you said, explained it to me is if I'm not eating to there, we can't keep track of the actual, like we don't really know what my body intake is. Absolutely. And therefore, because we don't know that, we don't know how to actually, just like you were explaining earlier, how to stay ahead of that curve. Yep. We don't know how to do that because we don't know where that curve is. That's it. It's it's literally that simple. So the more consistently you're hitting a set, calories within, you know, 50 to 100 calories, if not maybe 200 uh, variation. Then we can look at that data, see what your body's doing, and then we know how to adjust. Whereas if your calories are all over the place or you're just naturally coming in, you know, two to 300 calories less at that point, well, if you're consistent enough with it, I can look at that data and then adjust based off of that. But the more precisely you hit a calorie goal that is set, it's so much easier with that data on hand to know what we need to do with your body when things do stop working. You know, it's less guesswork at that point. Whereas when setting calories initially, setting your, your maintenance calories and your deficit calories is, I say best guess, the more you work with people, the, the closer you can get. But it is a best guess based off of calculations. What we can't really account for is your, your body's natural inclination to move around and the calories you burn off outside of exercise and things like that, which again is why I have a step goal. It's like an artificial way of tracking the the NEAT, the non-exercise activity thermogenesis. If I know you're getting eight to 10,000 steps in a day, I know you're maintaining enough movement throughout the day for the calories I've given you to be even more precise, right? So it's, it's best guess until we get you doing something consistently and I can see what's happening with your body to be like, 
Okay, you know what? My best guess was a little too low. You're losing weight too fast. You're having negative energy repercussions from that. Or, you know, you're not really losing much weight, which is fine. You're still, we focus on the fact that you are feeling better, you're getting stronger, but we want to burn a little bit more body fat off a little bit faster. So then we adjust calories to account for that at that point. So, but so far I've been feeling good. Uh, I am back to gigging, which also has now increased my, I guess, neat, yep. if you will. Absolutely. And I move around heavy speakers for what I do. So yep. I'm actually getting some of that as well. I did notice that they were a little easier to move. <clears throat> Excuse me. That's that's what I tell people all the time. When you, because not a lot of people when they start working out, they're like, I don't care about getting stronger. Okay, you, you say that now, but life is easier when you're stronger. Everything you do is easier when you're stronger. You know, your now, main goal may not be get stronger, but it's a huge benefit. Yeah, and and just I, just to clarify, when we're saying getting stronger, we're not saying to the point where you can lift cars and throw them around. We're saying... Well, don't limit yourself. <laughs> but just incrementally stronger. Yeah. Like anything you do as a parent, lifting my kids. Oh, yeah. It's that it makes a big difference. And even holding them for longer because mm-hmm. that weight you're now lifting is a lower percentage of what you're capable of lifting. The so longer you, you lift, the stronger longer. you get. And even beyond that, strength is just an indication that your bones are getting more dense. Your connective tissue is thickening and getting stronger. You're becoming less injury prone at that point too. So there's a host of physiological benefits that come along with getting stronger through progressive overload. And progressive overload, again, I, I, we've talked about before, is, is simply getting a little bit better at whatever you do consistently over time. And since we are in the gym lifting, that is getting stronger, you know, increasing reps, time under tension, actual weight that goes on. The, the stronger you get, the easier life is. I get that. I feel that. Uh, I feel that as I've gotten a little bit stronger, I mean, I know I have as well because I've there's a really big, crazy difference. Every time I've gone to the gym before, I've kind of just gone off memory. I never wrote it down right. or anything like that, right. what I was doing. And now that I'm completely keeping track of everything, it's crazy to see, like, there's times where I'm like, I didn't really do much more, but I did. Yeah. And I've done more weight and I've done more reps. Or even I'm like, oh, that was so hard last time. I'm going to do the same weight I did last time. And I got through it. Like, like yeah. And I was like, oh, hey. Okay, but that 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 is what I did last time, right? <laughs> okay, all right. So I have to watch myself because I've noticed while I'm at the gym that I will go, oh, well, I can just add more weight. I'll just add this. And I'm like, I don't want to overdo that too quickly. Right. So I have really tried this past time that if I did add any weight, it's, it was barely any. It was like five pounds. Good. And that's you should just make five. I, I tend to recommend five-pound jumps on – Stuff that's a little more accessory based or like an upper body move, you can add 10 pounds if you want to like squat or deadlift if you really feel you're ready for that. But the, the more you're able to just add five pounds, because think about it, five pounds over per week, over 52 weeks, I mean, you're, you're lifting, you know, over 250, 250-ish pounds on that given lift. Now, that'll slow down, but... Yeah, so what I also did then too, which is what I was saying, if I added weight... It was because I had already done what you had did what you had said earlier, yep. and I'd slowed down the Perfect. reps. Time under tension. Because that makes it so much harder. Oh, yeah. Slowing oh, yeah. down the rep. You're taking momentum, momentum, momentum <laughs> out of the mix. <laughs> momentum. I like yeah. that word. That's a good one. <laughs> I'm gonna coin that. <laughs> so you take the momentum out, and then that makes it. Yeah, that makes sense. 
But yeah, it definitely makes it harder. And especially I read, so I read the machine on the leg curls and it says to hold at the top of the curl. When you do the leg curl, hold for a second and then do. do. You can. So I did, was doing that and that makes it 10,000 times harder. (laughs) So just doing those couple things, I've just tried to be more deliberate on the weights where, because I kind of remember when I was first lifting and doing stuff, it like you wanted to get that pop. It was like, you want that burst. And that's what you're supposed to, so when you lift, you go, and that quick, and then slow down, and then quick up and right. slow down. Right. That's always, so like, I, I just have that ingrained, and, and, and you I was that, doing That's not a that bad way. way to train, because you're just training for explosive movement. But it's not necessary. Um, there are some athletic pursuits where you're trying to kind of increase that explosive power, and there, there are ways to utilize that. It's just not necessary for, for you right now and for the average individual to really focus on that. Really focusing on the contraction, um, some time and attention, especially when you're first getting into to training on a consistent basis, is going to give your connective tissue more time to, to acclimate. Because connective tissue basically gets, gets stronger and changes like 11, 11-ish times slower than muscle tissue. So you can increase muscle size, you know, somewhat quickly, but the connective tissue still needs time to to really build up and thicken. That's really, really strong stuff. Yeah. So I got to the gym twice this week. I'm I was so able, proud which of you. is the first time in yeah. three weeks. I know. I haven't it's been, been a able while. to. Like I, I was, I did two workouts. I think. All, no, I didn't do two of the last two weeks, because I, then the week before that was the one that you made the home one yep. for me. So I was able to get the second one. In. These last two weeks have been kind of crazy. So as I was saying before, our season is starting. We're getting into we're busier. Right. So I got used to a schedule in the first month. And now these last two weeks, we've had to readjust and try to figure out we what have. the new schedule is going to be. Which, and how, which again is how. why I always push standard over schedule. If you have two workouts for the week, forget whatever we have scheduled. If you have to move a workout, you move a workout. It's I don't this. think there's been a week that I haven't moved the workouts. Right. And that's, and yeah. that's fine. But, but allowing for that flexibility takes away from the, the negative psychological hit of, I didn't get my workout in today. Like my week shot, I've literally failed today. I'll start again Monday. I'll start again Monday because everybody wants to start again Monday. I even start again Monday. You know, it just it is what it is. It's, we have a Mondays. natural tendency to I'll start off the new week, right? Maybe that's why people hate Mondays. It's got to be. That's got to be. Gotta be. So I got both workouts in today or this week, not today. I got them both workouts in this week. And one of the workouts, I wanted to ask you about this. I met, I put, I documented it in the app and you made a joke back to me. <laughs> um, but I wasn't able, it was it was later in the day, so I'm getting to the, to the gym different times right. than I'm used to. So it was a little busier in the gym, yep. and I wasn't able. And I was kind of on a time crunch as well as I always am. Usually are, yeah. Yeah, and so I was on a time crunch, and I was in the gym, and people were on the machines, and it was almost like there was a line kind of deal. And I didn't want to sit and wait because I had like one or two things left, and I was like, I'll just do this stuff at home. Yeah. And I got home. One of the things I didn't do was the rope hammer curls. Right. On the machine. Um, and if you're not familiar, it's like this rope looking, the thing that clips in and you on a pulley system on the weights and you pull weight up. So I didn't have that at home, obviously, because I don't own a a gym at home. Resistance bands, you could have mimicked that. Well, that's what I was going to do. But then I realized I had free weights and I was like, well, what's the difference if I just use dumbbells? Right. So I grabbed, we have different dumbbells but i just grabbed tens because they were right there and i was like ah, it'll, i just it'll let me at least finish this i'll be able to get right. through it so i grabbed it and i just did them super slow and did Perfect. the hammer and 
It was just as hard, if it not is. harder, with tens, where I was curling on the machine 6D. Yeah. You have a natural tendency to just kind of whip through using the cable you know, machine at that point. So yeah. you will naturally go through faster reps. So slowing, slowing anything down, like you just said a little bit ago, makes it significantly harder. It was, I was like, I felt so dumb. I was like, I'm like these are only 10 pounds. I should be able to do this, no problem. I was so angry. But I did it, and I did the same routine with the 10s, and I I don't know. Does that, is one a better workout than the other? Does one do more for no. you than the other? No. I mean, okay, sort of. The, oh, the, see. <laughs> the, the truth. So the, the difference between, say, you, you made a better option. It's not a better option. It's different. It's the power curve is really how it works. So think about the... The resistance bands, if you use that. Well, it's fairly easy at the bottom of the rep range. And as you pull up to all the way to the top, it gets harder, harder, harder. And I know that's one of the drawbacks, if you will, of resistance bands is you don't get the same tension the The, entire way The power curve changes, which again is fine. It just makes it harder at top and a little bit lighter at the bottom. But the overall like mean effort, the average effort is going to be similar to, to the dumbbells, depending on how hard you work and what weight you select. So is this a truth or a myth? Because I've heard this before. I'm going to guess myth. I'm going to guess it's probably a myth. (laughs) But is that if you do stuff like resistance bands or if you don't do full range of motion when you do a curl, you're only actually going to work out part of the muscle and you end up with a bulge in that muscle because the whole muscle didn't get worked. Myth. Okay. Yeah. So even if you don't do the full range of motion, you don't get... You you, the, you'll still get the same. You can end up kind of tightening up and losing some flexibility um, potentially. The, the studies are showing that going through a full range of motion, you're putting resistance on the muscle in the full stretch position. So hypertrophy is gained more efficiently. And hypertrophy is the, the stimulus you need basically to, to grow muscle tissue, essentially. So you're always better going through a full range of motion because you are putting stress on that muscle through the, the entirety of, of its length. Um, and th- there's different parts of the rep range that are more difficult than others. So that beginning part of your rep range is a little more difficult. Your body reaches that kind of peak contraction and strength at about the mid-range through the rep. That's where you're going to be the strongest. And up, as you go up towards the top, it tends to get a little bit weaker. It's harder to, to finish that contraction. So whether I'm using full range of motion or I see these guys who have all these all this heavy weights and they're barely moving that weight up and right. down, that's going to do the same amount of work? No, not the same amount of work, but you can still build the muscle if they put enough volume on the muscle. But again, that's that's where you get those guys that you know can't scratch their own damn back because they're they lose flexibility. They by lose doing flexibility that. in connective tissue, um, and yeah, they're, by shortening that up, they're just kind of tightening up connective tissue. Okay, so there is a little bit of truth to it then, because it it's going to be healthier same, to go through the full range of motion. It does give you that same kind of like those. I'm doing the, you know, the the thing that everybody does when they mimic somebody who's built yeah. and they puff yeah, their chest out great. and they look like monkey arms. Yeah, yeah. yeah to, I guess some of the times. The way I like to look at it is you think about like Van Damme in his heyday, right? The dude was, was jacked, had plenty of muscle size, but he was flexible as hell, mm-hmm. you know? And you look at the guys in the gym who are just kind of that, that muscle-bound kind of guy that is going through half reps, and they don't have that flexibility at all. So there, there is a, a right and a wrong way to do it for overall health. But you also consider the fact that, again, if you see, you see older guys that are just bulging veins working out two to three times a day, every day, well, guess what? They're probably on that previous supplementation we were discussing. 
So, uh, and that's likely in the supra-physiological range. It's, it's hard to tell. You can't just make the claim for everybody. There are outliers, but that's another thing too. So if you gain muscle very, very quickly because of that, that added chemical help, um, you don't have time to, to condition the connective tissue. And it doesn't, almost whatever you do, that it's going to be enough stimulus because you've got more testosterone or anabolics binding to the androgen receptors, and it's really stimulating that growth. So getting that, that fast growth is not going to help you if you're not paying attention to full range of motion and, you know, really working through that, that uh, getting the connective tissue conditioned. Okay. So sort of a truth, sort of a myth. Correct. You're still getting <clears throat> effort and work, but you're just not getting the full For range. Sure. Which is kind of what I, that's kind of what I remember being taught and learning. Yeah. 20 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Some of the stuff still stands. There's a lot of new science coming out for sure. Studies all the time. But yeah. Yeah, some of that, that bro science, quote unquote, is uh, still stands. It does. So is it more beneficial than for me to do those, like instead of using the cable rope, to do free weights with that instead? No, because I, I get you free weights and stuff into the mix. Doing, um, you know, rows will still, it's a good hit on, on biceps. You don't have to do dedicated curls. Like I've, I've got very decent arms. I do very little curls. You don't have to. You can get everything your biceps need through a full range of motion chin-up. You know, or, or a lat pull down, you're going to still hit the, the biceps peak pretty well. Now, if you're really looking to fine tune and get some extra work um, on the, the biceps, sure, adding in a little bit of accessory work is fine, which is why I do that with you. You just don't need it yet. Okay. You know, in, in two years, when your body is more adjusted to volume and we'll have increased volume over the course of that, that two years, and I'll tell you how to progress that. We've only got you signed up for a year, but... Um, You'll add more and more volume, and, and by that time, sure, adding that extra work is going to benefit you. But right now, it's just not necessary. Okay. Just curious. I mean, I meant instead of supplementing it for the rope curls, if I did the barbell, the dumbbells instead of the nope. rope. No, nope. Not, what, Cable, cable's fine. Cable. And, and you'll notice that I have you do that generally towards the end of your workout just to kind of put a little bit of burn and get some extra work on, on the biceps. And I, I will it end up changing that. It doesn't always go in that order because at the gym no, and, and, and that's are fine. All, but yeah. the, basically, it's just going to be a higher rep range to really kind of put some burn into that muscle and, you know, make you feel good about what you've done for that day. Uh, and this is just, this is your, your current training block. Your training block changes in a week. And okay. I will work in some dumbbell curls and change things up just a little bit. So explain, I don't think we've ever explained training block. Ooh, that's a great topic. Yeah. To, to be you know, somewhat quick on that, it doesn't have to be a real extensive subject, but a lot of people, and this is, this is where I, I kind of look down on those programs that, that people are buying online, the ones that have you jumping around all nimbly bimbly in front of your, your TV in your living room. I have one of those in the top. Yeah. I know you do, yeah. <laughs> they... Very few of those are really set up for long-term success. Um, they come with, with advice, generally having people you know, diet down in extreme caloric ranges. Um, the workouts don't often build on one another well, and they don't teach you what to do after that point. So a training block, nobody wants to hear this, but the body adapts best to what it does consistently over and over again in increasing, you know, progressively overloading the, the system. It's not sexy to hear it that way. So if you were to do the same, say, five core exercises that I have you doing for the rest of your life, and the only variable you change is rep range, the amount of sets, and the amount of weight you're putting on it, you'd be just fine. But the average individual gets bored. 
and they just won't stick with it because most of the time they don't understand the science and that this is literally the fastest way to get you to what you want. So we change up exercises a little bit, but a training block has you going with a, a certain set rep range, a uh, certain volume, and we wait and make those consistent adaptations to the body. And so after that, it's I, no less than four weeks for a training block. You should be doing a given wor well-rounded workout for no less than four weeks. And some people I have, you know, doing a training block for anywhere from six to eight weeks because it's not necessary to change up prior to that point. And changing things up for the sake of changing things up is not always a good idea. I think for me too, I'm just feel like I'm getting comfortable right. with a lot of the stuff that I'm like, oh, I'm finally, I mean, we're seven weeks in yeah. and I'm just like, oh, all right, cool. I kind of know now where my range is for this or where yeah. it took me that long just to eat. I mean, obviously, I guess as I go, it'll be easier to It, it is, and, and you'll, out, you might you know? be a little nervous about getting a new training block at this point, but you're fine. Like, the movements are going to be similar, and you're going you're gonna to be like, well, I know I lifted this in the 8 to 10 rep range. If I'm going to lift it 6 to 8, okay, I can add a little bit of weight. Let's see how that feels. And again, with you slowing down your reps to make things harder, if you find, oh, this was a little too light, I was a little off, I'm just going to slow down right now. You know, and then you know next week you get to increase the weight from that, but you still got a good enough stimulus on the musculature for that given workout without overstressing it. You don't have to be dialed in, you know, to the, the nearest pound. You just have to adjust as you go. I was a little nervous this last time that we went, as um, doubling back here a little bit about the order of the workout stuff. Right. Typically, the first thing on there is the deadlift. Or Your the major squat. big compound move. Yep. That was busy. And take so I started doing the leg curls first, right? And as I'm doing the leg curls, and like I said, slowing down, <laughs> so I'm thinking I'm not going to be able to do the deadlift or oh no, the squat is what I had. I'm not going to be able to do squats at the same weight because <laughs> I'm doing this first. So I was a little nervous, but yeah. I actually was alright. But I think I'm I'm also squatting a lot less than I think I'm. Capable you are. Of. So when you get closer to what your body's capable of, yes, that will have an effect on your ability to to put out force. I'm, I'm trying, at least this is in my thought process of right now is why I haven't really quote unquote amped it up. Yeah, is because I really want to understand the range of motion, and I'm really nervous. I didn't I didn't brought this up to you yet too. My knee is really bugging me that I think I'm gonna go see a doctor about it. Okay, because it's. It's scaring me that it, to the point where like I don't want to do a squat and it just go right and then I'm right. down and then I'm screwed for work I'm screwed for everything right so I've kept the the weights kind of and, and that's fine injury scales with that. load so you're, yeah. you're making the right move it, it's your knee is very unlikely to just go if you're lifting with proper mechanics in a proper range of motion not forcing that range of motion but I don't know what like again I don't know if it's damaged. I heard it. I don't know if I even told yeah. you how I originally did it. I was playing racquetball with a Oh, you did. Mine. Lateral movement. And then said. I stepped yeah. funny and I felt it like it kind of popped. Yeah. And so like I just don't know. I don't think there's ligament damage. I don't know. I might be meniscus. I, that's kind of what I think. It's hard to tell unless you, you really get in there. But yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah. one of the reasons why I want to get you into some doing some sled pulls. So with the single leg exercises being able to kind of start to rebuild the knee structure, um, and then doing sled pulls in reverse. You know, the, the knees over toes guy, I, I recently uh, kind of dug through some of his stuff. And the science seems sound. And I was, I've already been using single leg exercises to rebuild and teaching it's okay if your knees go over your toes in squats or lunges as long as that heel stays flat. So, so seeing it confirmed in somebody else who's, who's putting out that, that kind of information, um, I've, I've gotten a, a weighted sled at this point And I've started using it most days. You know what I think about when you say sled pulls every time? What? 
I start thinking like the Iditarod and I'm like the, a, yeah like the Arctic stuff yeah, yeah I'm gonna strap you and you're just gonna pull me around uh, Women's Island yeah I mean that sounds just <laughs> so if you guys are driving around and you see me yanking <laughs> how's the workout going great it's going wonderful <laughs> leave me alone I'm busy <laughs> No, it's just it's a little flat weighted sled with uh, the front of it is, is just kind of angled up a little bit and it has a pole in the middle. So you basically will set weight plates on it and it has a strap that goes around the waist and you just walk. I do about a two to one ratio of walking backwards to forwards. So when you walk backwards, the, the, as soon as you plant that foot you know, backwards to, to push off of, your knees are already over your toes at that point. So then you load the knee and push backwards, whereas opposed to loading it vertically, you're, you're pulling back. So it's less impact on the joint, but it's increasing blood flow and circulation to that, that knee joint while also telling the body and signaling it, ah, we need to repair this area. Let's go shore this up. Let's take care of the connective tissue in this area. And it just starts to really uh, take care of that entire knee structure. So that in combination with the single leg exercises that I have you doing, will do everything that we can and that it could potentially heal that knee up if there's not something actually mechanically wrong. Um, and if there is, and you do have to get a surgery, well, building up the structures around there, increasing blood flow to the area, strengthening that area, just means you're going to recover faster if you do have to go through a procedure. Well, hopefully I don't have to go through a procedure and we can take a look at it. It does feel stronger. I've been able to do more steps, I've noticed. But hopefully there's no procedure. I just, I just want to... In the case of everything, I didn't get my voice checked when I should have. Right, I'm trying right. to make just better choices. Yeah, there's, so. there's nothing wrong with, with getting it checked. And obviously, we hope you don't have to go through a procedure. And again, we will continue to do everything we can to make sure we're... You'll, you'll, be, you'll be taking care of your side of the house, right? So if there's no procedure, then we've got it taken care of and we'll continue to heal it up because it is already feeling better. And if there is a procedure, worst case, we're going to make sure you come back from it very, very quickly. Yeah, I'm not as stressed about it and a lot of these exercises don't hurt like the leg curl doesn't bother me at all and see that's the that's never a good signal i, I know what you're going to say i'm sorry i, I know just no yeah no um it's kind of a self a, a self-preservation self-defense mechanism we don't hurt as much while we're moving it's kind of that thing where prehistorically we had to outrun the, the tiger if you're worrying about an injury you're not running as fast so during movement you don't have as much pain the body's kind of shutting that signal off most of the time a and why good, does it hurt going down steps? Because that's movement. It, it is. Not but trying now, to be, that, no, 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 no. I'm just you're, you're, you're fine. You're fine. Because that seems to be an awkward movement for you. And it's, it's repetitive. So if it goes past what the body is naturally telling it to not pay attention to, then you're going to start to feel it. So that's what I'm saying. It's not all the time. It's just not, movement is just not a good indicator of, you know, if the pain's gone, that's not a good enough indicator of whether or not you have an issue. Uh, the best indicator of whether or not you have an issue is when you're sitting still for a while and you've recovered and you're not moving much. Do you have pain at that point? I mean, I feel it right now. Right, right. It's not like tremendous pain, but I do feel like it, it's uncomfortable. Right. So there, there could be an imbalance. It could be something structurally. We, we just need to figure that out. And going through another movement assessment as well to make sure you are still continuing to use proper movement patterns. Um, I have, like I said, been doing the shoeless, the squats. Good, and the good. Are you, are you, just are you grabbing stuff. the ground with your feet? Yeah, I'm trying to get good. as good of a base as I can and feel like I'm doing it. So I, it also, doing it barefoot, it feels so counterproductive because everything that I've learned about shoes in general, which I have a buddy who is a certified pedorthist, <clears throat> excuse me, and he has 
talks all the time about insoles and right. using custom insoles and getting it right because it makes a big difference. And it really does when walking and running and yeah, that I'm kind sure of it thing. Does. But with this, it just feels so counterintuitive because I'm like, well, these, these shoes are meant to be extra supportive, so yeah. they should support me. But I completely understand with, with what you're saying because your my shoes in general start to roll out from, like, I can feel yeah, that they you slide. So yeah. when I get rid of them, it gets rid of that, and I stay grounded, and I feel like my form, and I don't feel like I'm fighting to keep my yeah. knees in because they're staying where they're supposed to be yep. because... Because if you're My if you're forced grounded. if you're forced Sorry. into it and over supinated position, then yeah, your ankles are out of line. And like I showed you initially with with planting, if you plant your feet and let them completely relax to the inside, your knee almost points slightly inwards. When you roll to more of a, a neutral position and grab the ground, your knee is tracking more in line with your foot. And if you're supinating, again, it starts to roll to the outside. So everything that your foot is doing affects the rest of the body upstream. So finding that real quality position of, of the foot is going to aid you in proper mechanics when you do move. And there's, right. there's two sides of the fence. I've, I've heard uh, physical therapists and, and podiatrists and, and people talk about getting insoles. And I think for somebody who you know, has badly fallen arches and nonstop pain and things like that, and they're not going to do strengthening stuff or the strengthening stuff only takes them so far, sure, let's, let's get some inserts in there. Um, and I, I don't know, I haven't completely bought into the uh, completely barefoot mentality, although I lean more towards that side than, than the inserts. Letting the body's musculature kind of rebuild and strengthen and take care of itself. And that, that's part of grabbing the ground prior to a lift. The lift starts from the feet up. Let's table this discussion, and I'm going to talk to my buddy and see if I can convince him to come on, and we can have a discussion completely Ooh, about this. Okay. Because this seems like this is something that's vital to people because this information comes from all angles. Right. And you're hearing all about shoes being better for this and better for that. And there's a whole legion of people with the barefoot running. Oh, yeah. Or the the really minimalist shoes. Yep. and that, Like the one that has, looks like a glove. Yeah. Have you seen that? The vibrams. Individual five toes. toes. Yeah. yeah. Ugh. I, just, I can't even <laughs> imagine having stuff in between my toes. But there's all types of that type of stuff. There so There are. And both sides of the fence seem to be doing just fine. So it's like, who is right? And, and it really does come down to almost what, what increases the quality of your life the most. Let me work on that and see if we can... Let's, yeah. let's table this discussion on that. And let's get... I actually haven't given my update on what the weight is. We talked about it oh, a little bit. Oh, that's right. Yep. But before we uh, finish things off here, uh, I did get down to... I was at 232.4... I'm down to 230.2, which is 2 pound, 2.2 pounds yeah. for the week. I did eat a little bit leaner on Sunday than yesterday than I have because the last few Sundays I've kind of – it was my like let it loose a little bit days right. and then I felt a little bit bloated. So I just ate a little bit better mainly because I had already let loose on Friday. Yep. So I ate a little bit better and it made a big difference. I lost uh, a bunch of weight overnight. And like, as you said, the flush... That's, that's that whoosh effect. Yep. Which you said is a thing. It, it is a thing. Yeah, yeah, the body based off of, of carb and or sodium intake, again, I always hesitate to say this, uh, causes water weight to, to store. But now if somebody's going to listen to that and be like, well, I guess carbs are bad then. Sodium's bad. No. It just means it can sometimes, for a temporary amount of time, mask the amount of, of body fat and or weight lost. 
because your body will adjust to an increase in carb and or sodium intake over the course of one to three days, and then your body will flush it. It's not a big deal. So I've noticed that every week. Yeah, and, and the, I've the funny thing is like the, the body just it doesn't always flush when you think it's going to. Sometimes yeah. like I guess the, the last thing I read that made sense to me was that the body fat will release fat from the fat cell because your fat cell is, is a permanent thing. It's it's there. It either absorbs fat and releases fat, but it's there. So sometimes when you release fat, water will take the place in that fat cell and just sort of hang out for a little while. And then eventually your body flushes it. And then now you've unmasked the, the scale weight at that point. Yeah, I've noticed that that's kind of my trend. I, I stay around the same for a few days, same weight for a few days. Yep. And then one random day throughout, throughout the week, it changes every week yeah. that I, I drop like a pound overnight. Overnight, yeah. Yeah, I have noticed that. So... Down to two thirty point two. I'm excited. That's sixteen pounds down, yeah, as we talked about from the beginning weeks. of this. So I am very excited about that. Um, Notice the big difference again in how I feel. I have been really achy this past week. Yep. I'm not sure what that. It could just be that I'm gigging a lot more. So gigging, I'm standing it could be a little a less more. sleep. It could be the alcohol intake. Like there's any one of those things literally on their own could could cause some of that. Yeah. So, so the combination and, of all those things together. Yeah. And, and bear in mind, too, this is the first week in a few weeks where you've managed to get two full workouts in as well, which That's is true. a new change to the body, essentially. If it's been more than a couple of weeks, because it, it takes about two weeks with body to start to detrain. You're not going to detrain much because of the fact that you are still getting a workout in. But mm-hmm. two workouts is now a new stimulus uh, over the course of a few weeks. And so I was worried that my weight was actually going to go up, which is funny that I lost most weight I've <laughs> lost in a few weeks. Because I ate up to that 2,300 calories every yep. time and felt like I was eating more. So I got a, a few days in this past week where I was at like 1,800 calories. Right. Because I just hadn't, with being busy and having gigs, like I don't like to eat right before I have to sing. Because oh, yeah. then I'm you burping just or just yeah. feel bleh. So I don't eat, I, I eat, I've been eating like a protein bar for his breakfast. And so I eat a protein bar on the way to a gig if I'm playing an early gig. And then eat a protein bar on the way home. That's basically my lunch. Right. And then I'm only 400 calories in on the day and I have dinner. <laughs> so I have 1,900 calories now for dinner. Yeah. And I'm not typically going to eat 1,900 calories in one sitting. Right. I eat like eight 900 on a typical meal. And so I was eating and I would, I would even would eat, I don't say crappier, but like would add some things that I probably would That's a little more calorie it. dense yeah. at that point. Yeah. Now, a way for you to mitigate that is to, with your, your protein bar, have a piece of fruit. Because fruit's going to be nutrient-dense. It's going to have fiber in, in it. Um, oh, and it just idea. adds a little bit of calories to the mix at that point. Okay. And also bear in mind that it takes, depending on the, the individual and size, 30 to 40 grams to maximize leucine threshold, which, again, is a whole science discussion for another. I think we yeah, covered yeah. it a little bit. But that's going to maximize your muscle protein synthesis for any given time or your ability to repair muscle, essentially. So I, I will generally take in, I take in no less than 50 grams of protein anytime I'm actually sitting down to eat or whatever. So today I had a protein bar, I had two scoops of protein in my shake, and I had a banana. That was like my pre-workout um, meal as far as that went. And I had, I think, 60, 65 grams of protein as far as that goes. So last night I kind of did, so I haven't been drinking any calories. Right. And I have noticed, I've also, this is one of the things that is, I've, has been tough this past week or so I've had cravings for beverages other than water. And I've like, so I had a soda and the one day and I've had these cravings for a drink. Yeah. Habits I'm falling into because I'm back on the road again. I'm back driving the gigs 
And I just had bad habits prior. That's how I gained all this weight to begin with. Yep. And so now I'm back in that routine and it just feels like routine. I'm stopping at gas stations for gas all the time. So I want to run in and be like, oh, well, let me, there's this one gas station that has Hunt's Brothers Pizza at the gas station, <laughs> but it's actually pretty good. Yeah. And I would get a slice or two of pizza yeah. that was there when I was there and that would be my lunch or that'd be my snack on the way home or something like that. Right. And I haven't done that. In fact, I did it once because I built it in and I did want to, good. I had, I, I grabbed the slice. Just because I was like, I know I want this, and I'm just going to keep thinking about it yep. if I don't just do it. So yep. I did do it, and that did help. But overall, I'm still – I feel myself going into these stores where I'm like, every time I went in here, I went and got a soda. Or every time I went here, right. I stopped and got – that. I've talked about it before. The, I really like those Arizona energy tea yeah, yeah. things. But it's like 500 calories for a can. That's insane. They're so delicious. Yeah. And I drink the whole thing and it's energy. It does do that. Things with a lot of calories are delicious. Yeah, I know. Crazy. (laughs) But building in 500 calories for a beverage. Right. That's tough. And and again, with liquid calories, other than milk, your body's not telling you that you're satisfied. So it doesn't take care of hunger. That's the problem. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So it would be that and a meal. Right. And now we're just talking so outrageous. My, my typical road food is uh, anywhere from 8 to 16 ounces of like the teriyaki beef jerky. I started getting more into beef jerky. Love but beef, jerky. The downside for me on the beef jerky is it's so expensive. It is. Which I've considered because I, I have an air fryer now. I want to try making it myself. Because you can buy a pound of, of you know lean beef that, that you would use fat jerky at at Hell, if even if it's ten dollars for the pound, you're paying half the price that you would pay for that jerky. You can do it in an air fryer. Yeah, yeah. I looked it up online. Really, very, very easy. Thin slice, and it, it gives you the whole recipe on how to kind of do it up. I'm gonna have to Google that. Yeah, I have an air fryer. So I, I want to try that. But for me, it's it's worth the expense um, just to kind of keep me healthier and feeling better about that that road trip now granted i get the beef jerky and i get a bag of the uh, sour crunchy crawler gummies because that's just what i do but you know that's protein and carbs yeah who doesn't love gummies yeah i love my gummies that's how i got in this mess to begin with i had a whole bag of (laughs) gummy bears oh yeah if i open a bag it's gone like that so i i will account for it but i'm eating an entire bag if i'm eating a bag of gummies yeah that's how i feel about everything like i get a bag of the like they put serving sizes on these small little bags of stuff and i'm like how is this more than one serving? Right. Just right. call a spade a spade. It's one serving. And it just is? tell me what the calories is for yeah, the whole bag. that's all I need to know. I understand well, that. I got to multiply? Really? It's marketing. It because is. Because they look at it and they're like, oh, this isn't that bad. It's only 70 they, per calorie. So much marketing. Have, have you yeah. actually looked at your like cooking sprays, the non-six sprays? You know those are zero calories? Oh, yeah? Based off of serving size. You have to spray for one-third of a second for the spray. And because that's one third of a second is under, I think, five calories, they can list it as zero calories. But who's spraying for a third of a second? It's all oil. That entire can of cooking spray is like 2,000 calories. So how are we getting zero calories? You're not. Wow. <laughs> it's all down Glass to serving sizes. Yep. Glass is breaking. <laughs> oh, man. I don't know. I don't use that stuff, but man, that's a big. Yeah, oil is a big one. I've noticed for me, like, I anytime I use oil, I'm like, where did all these calories come from? Yeah, (laughs) oil is very calorie dense. It's pure fat. Yeah, it's liquid fat, which doesn't make it bad if you're getting a good oil. It just needs to be accounted for. And fat is amazing for your metabolism and hormone levels as well, which is another reason why 
I don't assign carbs and fat for, the, for most people because they just tend to get enough. But if I saw somebody who was too low fat, below like 25% of your maintenance calories as fat intake for too long, we'll start to drop testosterone, thyroid hormones, and metabolism a little bit. So you want to account for that. You have essential amino acids. So you have a minimal amount of protein you have to have to be healthy. And you have essential fatty acids necessary for diet. A minimal amount of fat that you need to be healthy. So... I've been doing well at hitting those markers. The fat Good markers man. easy. I mean, that's the problem. <laughs> but so the, the, when I like when I've been doing these other kinds to get there to twenty three hundred, I've come in short a couple of days. Yeah. So last time what I did is I I was like I really want to get to there. I wasn't at my protein yet, but I'm like I don't want to eat anything. We just ate dinner. I'm not yeah. really hungry, and I thought I've been really jonesing for like a drink, like a bat, like something. Okay. So I decided. I was going to do, I like milk and I haven't really drank milk because drinking milk by itself is a bunch of calories and you don't get a ton of extra stuff with it. I've been, as we talked about before, I'm really been like focusing on what's the best bang for my buck here right. with the calorie, the right. protein per calorie <laughs> thing. What are the, I actually Googled it the other day. I saw fish is the best. Any type of fish. Yeah. Shrimp right. is basically pure protein. There's like, shrimp yeah. is like really good. Yep. And but, good, decent source of cholesterol. As yeah, well, it has which, a bunch of again. Your body converts cholesterol into testosterone, so shrimp is a fantastic yep. uh, uh, sub of protein. Um, so fish, shrimp, all that kind of stuff. So tuna mm-hmm. fish falls into that, which is why it's a little bit better than chicken. Chicken breast is second on the list. It's okay. right underneath that stuff. So I have been trying to find, figure out the best bang for my buck here right. on, on protein versus this. So I haven't really done drank a lot of milk or drank any milk really because. I was do, using it in some of those drinks when I did the protein shakes yeah. and the coffee, and I felt like I was consuming too much, too many calories that way. But now that I've done it in reverse, I might actually bring it back and do that with a protein yeah. bar, and because actually, that increases my protein way quicker. It does, and if you get the uh, the carb carb master milk at, at Kroger is my favorite because it's got fifty percent more protein, and per eight ounces it's like sixty or seventy calories. Carb Master Carb milk? Master is yeah, it's Kroger Carb Master milk. It's phenomenal. Okay. It's phenomenal. And it, it's Is it like way more expensive than regular milk? Not way. No. A I mean more, more than if you yeah. buy a gallon of, of like typical Kroger milk compared to it'll cost you about the same as the half gallon of Carb Master. But you get way more bang for your buck. I At you. least, you know, protein, high protein and, and lower calories. Maybe eventually as I get closer, but we buy Whole milk all the time because we right. the little kids, right. so the kids drink it, and I, I would rather drink whole milk personally. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm, love I know milk. a lot of people that, but when again, they drink even, milk even, would rather scam or this. Oh yeah, I'm a whole milk guy. Even buying milk. that though for your kids, giving your kids more protein is still going to benefit them. Yeah, I've tried. So I tried with those Fit Crunch bars to get them to eat a little bit because <laughs> yeah. apparently the marketing on that is that they're good for everybody. Right. And they did not. They weren't not huge fans right. of it. So. But if you can get them higher protein milk. That's actually at least it. Yeah, I mean, again, you'll pay more for it, but getting your kids adequate protein is—they actually huge. eat better than I do. Like, <laughs> they eat turkey, chicken. They don't really love red meat, but actually, my my daughter loves. If I make anything as a slider, she'll eat it. Okay, she's like a slider queen. She likes sliders, but if I make an actual like a full size burger but cut it in half, yeah, she doesn't want to eat it. Fascinating. Yes, there's literally no difference. <laughs> In the amount of meat or the amount of bread, really. Yeah. But if it's two little sliders, she will eat them. And especially turkey sliders. She absolutely loves turkey sliders. Okay. So I make turkey sliders a lot around here. You could here. make a turkey burger and use a cookie cutter to cut out her little slider in the middle 
and then you put cheese and bacon in the middle of it for me. (laughs) Yes. All right. That may be a thing. You're welcome. (laughs) So, no, I've I've actually cut out a bunch of cheese. Actually, what I just got was fresh mozzarella. Fresh mozzarella is actually... Mutz is solid. It has the highest, like, protein to fat ratio out of the cheeses. Yeah. Yeah. And I love Mutz. Yeah. One ounce is 70 calories. Yeah. And it's got, like, eight grams of protein or something in it. I was like, oh, wow. Okay. My next favorite to have on hand is provolone. Yeah. Because it's it's similar. I love the taste of provolone, and it's still, like, 80 calories per ounce. Mm, Okay. Because I do love cheese, and those are actually two of my favorite cheeses. Or I'll do the uh, Sargento light, the string cheese. I got to think for string cheese. And I pick it apart. I'm getting all the string out of it. Yeah, I know. I I never really grew up. Food-wise, never grew up. I'm eating bags of gummies, for God's sake. (laughs) That's fair. Fair. (laughs) Gummy worms, too. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, of all the gummies. You're not wrong. (laughs) (laughs) So we've been doing that. So last night I did 10 ounces of milk, and then or 12 ounces of milk. And, but I did one scoop of that almond protein that I yeah, had yeah. in it and mixed that up really good. And I drank that. So it actually got me right through the markers I needed. Yeah. I hit my proteins that I needed then for the day. I wasn't over on my calorie intake. Yep. And I also felt like I drank. It's like a nice little a dessert. Good, almost yeah, it was almost like point. a dessert yep. drink. Yep. Without being overly sweet, which you said kind of yeah. kicks in a, a process for you. I think the fakes, so fake sweeteners in general are sweeter than regular sugar. Yes. And that fake sweetener, I, I have cut it out for so long. Right. Because sweeteners in general tend to make me sick. Yep. Make my, upset my stomach. So I've cut them out for so many years that like, I was like, well, let me try for this or that. Yeah. And I was making um, exceptions for it. And I don't like them now. Okay. I it, they're too sweet for me. I, I didn't like. And the, I get that. Yeah. Unless they're used, because there's some sweeteners in some of these protein bars stuff. But I guess it's so little it's, compared. Yeah, it's to usually like, the erythritol. And if you use too much erythritol, it it ends up having a weird taste or a weird grit to it. So I think they they had to kind of naturally not overdo it. I gotcha. Yeah. So, but when I use when I like those protein shakes that I had yeah. I bought, I can't even drink. Like, yeah, they those were are, those so are hyper sweet. sweet. Yep. Yeah. So I didn't like that. And that, so, but the milk with the little bit of protein shake, it was great. I hit my calories. I actually was under, still under calories, but I had all my protein. I, I lied. I was one gram off on protein. I oh was on 199, God. not 200. <laughs> and I, I said, I was like, that's it. That's a win. I'm taking that. <laughs> it is a big that one. Because remember, I set your protein higher than you absolutely need for bare minimum. I've milk. been doing pretty good at hitting You've been doing 200. Great. Yeah. You've been doing great. Because and you are going to lose body fat faster if you hit that number. A difference that has really helped me. I've talked about earlier how we were following the book, which I have to get back into doing the yeah. book. We got off of it because our lives got crazy. But I want to get back into it. But I... But what I had kept for that I learned from the book was keeping chicken already cooked. Yep. Yep. But I was doing shredded chicken and the shredded chicken was drying out a little bit just yeah. from being out and being shredded. And it was a little chewier almost because it was a okay. little drier for me. Right. And so I didn't like it mixed in with everything of the same. Like I not a, I lied. I did really like it and it worked out really yeah. well. But I've noticed that if I just bake these the chicken breasts, I buy a five pound pack bake them all at mm-hmm. one time, take them out, and then just keep the whole chicken breast. When you microwave them or heat them Stays up, a little more moist. they're way yeah. more moist and yep. they taste better. I said that to my wife, and I said, I'm, I really like it this way. And she looked at me with this face of disgust, and I was like, wait, what? what's wrong? <laughs> she likes it better, shredded. Okay. But she has this thing where she eats, if she eats too much meat, she gets like meated out. Interesting. Like she just can't eat anymore. She does it with basically all seafood, at, right? Like all all types of meat in general. Where she just right. like I can't I can't do it anymore. But the shredded chicken she liked, 
and was able to do that because it took on the flavor more, she said, of whatever ah, she was we were putting it in okay. and cooking it with. So if we used it in like the chili or did that, yep. it didn't have too as strong of a chicken flavor. So she was actually able to eat more. Where I'm actually able to eat more if it tastes like chicken. Right. And it has right. a juicier chicken flavor. I could like I was I had said a few weeks back, I was doing the extra bowl of shredded ch- yep. chicken with a little splash of this, but I but I always had to put a little splash of the um, chicken broth. Chicken broth, that's right. And with yep. it to keep it a little bit yeah, moist. I, I tend to use cottage cheese for that because I'm still getting cheese. You can kind of mix that with the the shredded chicken. Or I have a mental issue with cottage. A cheese. lot of people do. I did for a while too, and I, I just kind of forced myself past it. Yeah, I like it. And I'm not chunky saying you have to do milk. That. Yeah. I just can't get this. The idea of it bothers me so bad that yes, I'm doing exactly what I tell my kids <laughs> not to do to try it. You may like it. I remember trying it probably twenty yeah. plus years ago, if not more, and I haven't been able to get over. I was it the again same since. way as you are. We have it around. I'm not, I'm not trying to push you to do it. It's just it, it's yeah. got such a good protein to calorie calorie ratio. Yeah, and it's. It is cheese. When you mix it up with like chicken and stuff, and it goes a little more uniformly, it's it, it's fantastic. And I'll even throw in some some broccoli into that, or or I'll just do shredded chicken with uh, white rice. is so easy to kind of cook up in, in a rice cooker. I'll do that with a little bit of the uh, G Hughes barbecue sauce, which is like ten calories per two tablespoons. You can pop that in the mix, and then mix it all together, and it's still you know it's not it's not really dry by that point. That's really similar to that thing that was in the book. Did you guys that where you got that from? The first no, week I, was, I've been doing that on my own for a while. Oh, that's right. The, uh, the, bar- the barbecue shredded chicken. barbecue chicken. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yep. yeah. So so I've been doing that, and I, I like it as the chicken breast yeah. more. And I've been sautéing spinach with it. Nice. That's what I've been adding. So I've been having chicken in the sauce. I love, dude, there, to me, there's nothing better than sautéed spinach with a little bit of butter yeah. and garlic. Because I keep a jar of the minced garlic in yep. my fridge all the time. Yep. So a spoonful of that in with about four ounces of of uh, spinach. Yeah, man, it's just it's the best. All right, yeah. And we found out my son actually really likes spinach, but he just likes That's the awesome. least. He's like, I want to try it, and it gave him one. He, I said, if he starts looking like Popeye in his forearms, <laughs> I'm not I'm cutting off the spinach. Because that's not a good look, big old forearm. Popeye was on that. steroids. Yeah. yeah, just in the forearms. <laughs> just though. the forearms. That's just the only the workout he did. <laughs> that's all he did. He could arm wrestle like a mofo. That's right. That that's right. So, guys, thank you so much for uh, listening in on another episode of Finding My Fit at 40. <laughs> we'll leave you with the Popeye. Can you, can you do the Popeye noise? <laughs> that was pretty good. Oh, that wasn't bad, that actually. That wasn't bad. I yeah. didn't expect it to be good. I was being very negative in my head before I just kicked it out there. But that was, that was solid. <laughs> that was pretty good. That was pretty good. <laughs> Mike, I appreciate chatting with you again another week, man. Uh, I'm looking forward to more changes in my life. I did the images and photos, and I can see a difference in the mirror personally. I feel the difference. My clothes are fitting different. Mike said he had noticed that my clothes are even looser. So it's been great. It's been exciting. We're going to keep moving forward. I hope you guys are also doing great things in your lives, that you're making changes for the better. And if we could be even a little small piece of that, we're grateful to do it. If you have any questions, any comments, any concerns at all, please hit us up on our Facebook page, Finding My Fit at 40, or hit up Body by the Bear, or you can find me, Keystone Postcard. That's the my band. You can hit us up on any of those venues, any of those social you. medias, yep. and uh, we'll catch you next time, guys. Pow, pow.